0: Thanks for joining Chevecca Community Church's Sermon Podcast. This Sunday, we'll be hearing a sermon from Pastor Shauna from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1 through chapter 2, verse 10.
1: These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hecaliah. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Han and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the King favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. In those days I was the King's cupbearer.
0: This morning we're jumping into the book of Nehemiah. Now, that might not be what you read every night before you fall asleep and perhaps you need a little refresher as to what's happening in the Old Testament to make sense of this strange Old Testament story. Well, you're in luck, and for folks of all ages who love Legos, this is gonna be just the thing for you, but especially for our kiddos, if you wanna kinda understand what the Bible story is that we're digging into today, this is gonna be just for you, kids Lego lovers of all ages, Here's a quick little recap about what's happening in the Old Testament and the story of Nehemiah. Take a look. The book of Nehemiah is a story of starting over. Whether or not you use Legos, it's a story of starting over. Chris Stapleton is a singer-songwriter who's really just skyrocketed to fame in the last couple of years after being relatively unknown for most of his musical career. He released an album this last year called Starting Over. And I heard him give an interview about this album where he talked about just coming to a place at his life here in Nashville as a singer-songwriter and realizing that something had to change. Something was off and he needed a point to start over. Many of you have experienced a starting over moment in your life. You don't necessarily have to get up and move to a new city. Maybe it's happened when you've lost a job. You've taken a risk. You began a relationship or you ended a relationship you lost a loved one or just came to grips with the fact that you were not okay with life the way it was and something had to change for whatever the reason i'm sure that there's at least a few of you this morning that have had one of those moments maybe even this last year where you realized it's time to start over it's a new year welcome to 2021 we're finally here we made it right And for the whole world, it seems like this feels like an invitation to start over, to start over and to rebuild from the rubble of 2020 as the whole world is starting over, hoping and praying to get this virus under control so that we can have life together in gatherings with people again. For the city of Nashville, it's a moment to start over. Not only are local businesses struggling to rebound, but after the bombing last week, where literally our downtown sector is laying in rubble and ruins and under investigation right now, it's it's a moment for our city to rebuild and start over. For this church and for churches everywhere that have had to pivot in huge ways and have seen dramatic changes to church attendance it's time to rethink and to start over in fact the barner group which is a group that conducts all kinds of different church studies and surveys they took a survey in september of a large group of u.s adults who they had surveyed back in 2019. Well, in September of 2020, they surveyed the same group of U.S. adults and they found that out of the adults who in 2019 were reported to somewhat regularly be attending church worship gatherings, 22% of the adults who just last year had been regularly attending church, 22% of those adults had not attended a single worship service Virtually, outdoors, indoors, reopened, not a single worship service in the first six months of the pandemic. That's one in five church attenders. 2021 is a year of starting over in so many ways. Rethinking the way that we do things and looking for a fresh start. Nehemiah is a story of starting over. It's it's a story of starting over for the people of God, the people of Israel who are returning from captivity, settling back in Jerusalem and rebuilding the city. But it's also a story for Nehemiah personally, starting over and joining the rebuilding efforts. So I wanna let you know a few things about the character of Nehemiah that you might have not caught from the Lego scene. First, you know, he was probably born and raised, at least spent the majority of his life in captivity there in Babylon before Persia came to power, and so here he's lived his entire life away from Jerusalem, not in the Holy Land. He really only knows this life in captivity. Second, you probably need to know that he's a lay person. He's not a priest or a pastor. He's not a a professional minister. He's a cupbearer. I like got a, a hard-working person who simply feels compelled, feels the call of God, and jumps into action. And also, he's maybe what you would call an essential worker in the Persian palace. He's somebody that has to show up to work day after day and is trusted by the king to do his job. And finally, I think just interesting to note the name nehemiah in hebrew it means god comforts so the story of nehemiah it's not just a story about rebuilding it's also a story of the comfort of god for a people who are weary and broken down when the story of nehemiah opens nehemiah is living a pretty comfortable life for a jewish man in exile all things considered he's got it pretty good he's in tight with the king he lives in the palace he is so trusted by the king that he gets to be the one to bring his food and to say whether or not the food is safe for the king to eat i mean that is a trusted position in the palace and here in his cushy comfortable life in the palace nehemiah is pretty removed from the plight of his own people his brothers and sisters who are struggling in jerusalem the city that's been devastated and broken down the survivors of Jerusalem who have either returned to exile or who have just been scraping out a bleak life there in the city for a long time. Nehemiah is very removed from the hard existence of people in Jerusalem, but one day, his brother comes to visit and he hears the story of what life is like for people that are still living in Jerusalem. And the words he used to describe it is shame and great trouble the city wall that's been broken down and burned. And Nehemiah is moved by this. He knows that this is not okay. They can't keep living in the rubble of the tragedy and the past horrors. They can't keep living in this nightmare and squalor. He knows that these people, they need to start over. They need to put on some coveralls and roll up their sleeves and start building a new wall, mark a new day, a new beginning for the people of God. Nehemiah knows this, and, and his heart is troubled. He is disturbed. In fact, so much so that even the king can recognize that, man, Nehemiah is out of sorts. Something's off with this guy today. He's so downcast that the king asks what's troubling him. And Nehemiah tells him, he tells him that his home city and their gates have been destroyed by fire. And then the king, remember, this is a a pagan, gentile king. He asks Nehemiah, okay, so what do you want? Make me an offer. Bring me a request. It's all open there for Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is at this crucial moment. How will he respond in this moment because remember nehemiah could just spend the rest of his life in the comfort of the king's palace if he just keeps his mouth shut or or even he could request that the king uh, deliver supplies to the people of jerusalem send you know one of his workers to to deliver a big thing of supplies and food i mean He could just ask that the king send like a really nice gift basket with a note that says, Hey, we're so sorry about your broken walls. And we hope that these crackers and jams will cheer you up a bit. And then he could go right back to his comfortable life in his palace robes and never have to rub shoulders with his brothers and sisters who are living in the trenches. But Nehemiah stops and he prays before he speaks and answers the king's question. It's a good thing to do. He stops and he prays before he speaks. I think he knows that for Israel to start over, it's going to mean that he will have to start over as well. He will have to uproot his life, to take off his palace robes and to put on a pair of coveralls to get to work alongside his brothers and sisters who have been living in the trauma of this city's devastation long before Nehemiah decided it was time for him to roll up his sleeves. And so he prays and decides that he's going to ask big. He's going to ask the king to not just send supplies and not send a gift basket. He wants the king to send him. He says, send me to the city where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Wow. Reminds me that there really is nothing that we can give or send that will replace our presence with hurting people. So Nehemiah decides that it's time for him to start over as well to find solidarity with the people of Israel, to begin this work of starting over. And Nehemiah shows up in a real way with his own presence for the hard work of starting over, both in his own life and for God's people. You know, over these next several weeks as we dig into the book of Nehemiah, some of the things that we'll discover together, we're going to discover in these weeks how Nehemiah keeps showing up. Now in this first part, in chapters one and two, we hear Nehemiah decide to show up, that he says, I'm in, I've got skin in the game, I'm gonna go myself, not just send supplies or a gift basket. But we're gonna see how Nehemiah keeps showing up. <laughs> At first he shows up like a, like a recent Ivy League college graduate who decides that it'd be really neat to become a community organizer in the slums of the inner city. He shows up like a recent seminary graduate who's filled with theological ideas and boxes full of commentaries and arrives for her first pastorate in a poor rural community where no one's ever heard of John Wesley and no one cares. He shows up and at first he's a bit out of touch with the needs of the people. I mean, and he's a little bit overwhelmed at times by the pushback that he gets from outsiders who don't want to see this city be rebuilt. And he gets angry and frustrated when he finds that there's systems of injustice that are preventing people from working their way out of poverty. And this rebuilding project that he had dreamed about, this renovation project, well, it's not quite the glorious vision that he had in mind when he dared to speak up to the king. I'll bet there were days where all he could really do was just put one brick on top of another. But he keeps showing up. He keeps putting on those coveralls and rolling up his sleeves and trusting that God is at work there. So he's gonna keep working too. We're also gonna discover as we read Nehemiah that God stays pretty quiet in most of the story. Now we know that God is at work and clearly God inspired this book to be written and to put into our scriptures. And in fact we see God working in really similar ways to the way that God's worked in the rest of scripture. For instance, the way God works in Nehemiah is really similar to what we see in the Exodus story where we as a church spent a lot of time in the wilderness with Moses. Just like God sent Moses to lead the people out of slavery when God hears their cries of suffering and oppression, well, God seems to be sending Nehemiah to lead these people who are also enduring suffering and oppression. But there isn't a burning bush moment in Nehemiah. There's not this clear sign that God is speaking and instructing and talking. In fact, God gave Moses very specific instructions on how to build the Ark of the the Ark of the Covenant. Just like God gave Noah very specific instructions on how to build the Ark. Well, God doesn't give Nehemiah so much as a screwdriver for this project. There are no divine instructions on how to rebuild the wall. Nehemiah, remember, again, he's not a priest who's trained on listening and interpreting divine oracles. He is a hard-working layman, but he's a man of prayer. And he's a man who keeps showing up and he makes some mistakes along the way and he keeps relentlessly seeking after God, even when there isn't light from a burning bush to guide him. He just keeps showing up. And finally, we're going to discover along the journey that the real building project in Nehemiah isn't about the wall. It's about the people inside of it. It's about the people who show up for the life that God has called them to and the reconstruction project that God is doing in their heart and their life together. You know, when the campus of Trevecca Nazarene College at the time was first being built here on Murfreesboro Road, it was a bit of a starting over point for the school. New campus, new day. But as a school, they didn't have a lot in the way of financial resources, they didn't have big donors to fund building projects and things like that. And so the building that today is known as the McClurkin Building, it now houses the School of Theology and and Christian Ministry, Uh, well that building was built with a lot of volunteer labor. In fact, students helped to build that building. The building, you know, the building project was one where lots of different hands, people were working together, rubbing shoulders. Not only were students cheap labor, but they were invested in the mission of the university. They wanted to be a part of building this university. Well, in the recent renovation of the McClerkin building, as they were stripping back a, a lot of the, the walls and stripping it down to just some of the original structures, they found that the students that helped build the building had written notes on those original beams. And one of the notes that they found was a student that said, we know that this isn't very good, but we tried our best. Somebody needs to make a t-shirt, you know? (laughs) We know it's not very good, but we tried our best. I mean, these students, they weren't carpenters or contractors, they were students, but they showed up for the work and to this day that building is still standing as a central part of campus life and it's still the place where Trevecca is preparing young women and men for service and ministry in the church and in the world, not because the building is perfect, but because people keep showing up year after year in that building, teaching and learning, building relationships and trust and trying their very best. It's not about the building. It's about the work that God is doing in the people. God is in the reconstruction business, not just buildings or walls. God is reconstructing hearts and lives and communities even now. I think the question that we face throughout this whole book of Nehemiah is will we show up? Will we show up for this work of reconstruction to be a part of this starting over story? Nehemiah didn't have to show up, not like he did, at least. He didn't have to do any of this. He wasn't a priest or a pastor. This wasn't his job or his concern. In fact, he had a really comfortable gig in the palace. Showing up for this reconstruction project, it changed everything for him. I know some of you, even this last year, you've had to start over not because you wanted to. You've had to start over because of income loss, death in the family, sickness, yourself, or divorce, whatever the situation, some of you had to start over and no one asked your permission. You have been living in the trenches, but maybe for others, you'd feel a little bit more like Nehemiah, a little bit removed from maybe some of the harshest impact of this last year. Maybe you've even kind of enjoyed watching church on your flat screen TV with your locally roasted coffee sitting there on your couch when you remember to tune in. I didn't mean for that one to hurt too much, maybe just a little. And this kind of works for you. I mean, you don't really need to start over and get pulled into the fray of rebuilding this city, this church this life. When I first read that Barna report that 22% of unchurched adults hadn't shown up, hadn't shown up for a worship service, not even on their couch for a worship service in six months of the pandemic, I was shocked. And at first I immediately just became really defensive and said, well, I don't know who those people are. That's not our church. Those aren't our people. But the truth is, is that those trends that Barna reported, it's really just a rapid acceleration of the trends in church attendance in North America for the last decade. For churches everywhere, our church included, And then I began to slowly sit with that information and ask the question, man, if if one in five of church attenders didn't feel the need to show up in any way for a church service, then what were those church services really all about before any of this began? I mean, were we really showing up back then anyways? Or had church become more like a comfortable palace than the reconstruction site of God's new creation. And so when church requires taking off our palace robes and putting on coveralls, well, we'd rather send a gift basket. Now, I know that's easy for me to say as a pastor, right? It, it that sounds like a, a, a really kind of calling people to repentance line from a pastor and felt it. In fact, it felt pretty good to write that line in my manuscript. I mean, that just is, that's a tweetable line. Oh, when church becomes more like a comfortable palace than the construction site of God's new creation. Amen. I mean, that's easy for me to say because I'm a pastor who has had to show up in all kinds of new ways over these last months. I've been showing up for all of our services, whether they've been in the building or online. And I've been tuning into other people's services, too, trying to figure out how to do this and how to do it better. But the truth is, I have to ask myself the question, have I been contributing to the problem? Trying to create the most comfortable church environment possible and not asking too much of people. Providing excellent services without providing work gloves and coveralls. But good news. Good news for. Pastor and congregation alike, the good news is that our God is full of new mercies and we have been given a chance to start over. Are you ready? Normally at the end of January, we would have something like a vision night, or last year we called it Imagine Night, where we all get together and do the work of discernment to glimpse God's future for a new year at Trevecca Community Church. Well, last year, one of you wrote on your blue card, answering the question, what might God be up to at TCC? One of you wrote, stirring a desire in so many of our people to take Jesus beyond the four walls of this building and to meet people where they are. Whew. Well, that's something that we have had to do in ways that we couldn't have even imagined during this service last year. And so this year, we're gonna keep leaning into that, leaning into moving beyond the four walls. And so we're inviting you, instead of joining a vision night or an imagine night inside the building, we're inviting you to a prayer drive. We're gonna start this starting over process, just like Nehemiah, in prayer. And so we'll start in our cars in the church parking lot, January 17th at four o'clock. We'll begin praying around the campus and then eventually lead out into the city where God is calling us. Calling us to show up for a reconstruction project to discover God's new creation. And so I'm asking you to think about ways that you can show up. I hope that you will physically show up for the prayer drive, but how will we be a people who will show up in this city, who will put on our coveralls and work side by side with neighbors to rebuild how will we show up, trusting that when we show up, that God's glory will show out in this city? Nehemiah says at the end of this passage, he says that the king gave him everything he asked because the gracious hand of God was upon him. I don't know what this new year is going to hold. I don't know what the next week, honestly, is going to hold. I couldn't have imagined the events of this last year, but I do know that God is still in the reconstruction business. I do know that the gracious hand of God is still upon us, and I do know that it's time to start over. We are being called to start showing up for our neighbors and for our church and for our God, who is worth it and who is showing up with uh, so I hope that you will join us, not only on the prayer drive, I hope you will join us in this whole year of meeting God in the places God is calling us to go. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to tune in next week, we'll be having online service on Facebook Live. At 845, we'll be hosting a virtual lobby, followed by service at 9 a.m. Head over to our website for updated information on worship gatherings, as well as weekly resources. Thanks again for joining us. We hope to see you next week.